Why do the other kids do everything differently? Is there something the matter with you? We always ask, why not? Why can't we do that? You know, we're and we're one of those people that don't touch that stove. It's going to be hot. Don't touch it. But we, we still have to touch it. Has anyone ever told you you're too rebellious or hot-blooded, arrogant, obsessive? How about difficult or maybe even a little weird? Well, you might just be a rare breed. I'm Ashley Hansberger. I'm Sunny Bonnell, and you're listening to Rare Breed, a podcast about people who harness the power of their vices and turn them into virtues. Like Courtney and Robert Novogratz, who had the audacity to turn a brave and offbeat sense of style into a real estate and design empire. You may have watched the Novogratz family, all nine of them, on a reality TV show whipping some condemned house into a funky, eclectic home filled with daring colors and one-of-a-kind furniture. Or you may have read one of their books and fantasized about dumping everything you own and starting from scratch. Or maybe for just half a minute, you thought, you know, I could totally handle raising seven kids and still keep my sanity. We're coming at you from our offices in lower, crazy, noisy Manhattan, this is Rare Breed. You guys didn't start out trying to be in the real estate business or in the interior design business. What was it that you did start out doing? Well, when we fell in love, we were living in New York City. And while we were planning our wedding, we bought a condemned building that we could barely afford. And we basically learned everything on the job. And I guess we were creating the life we wanted together. And in one sense, we knew exactly what we were doing. In another sense, we had no clue. But it really kind of kickstarted our career. So either we found our passion in our career or it found us. But that was the very beginning, and we haven't stopped since. When we first moved to New York in the early 90s, I was actually starting in finance, but I always had a real art background. My parents had a small antique business, so I was always around flea markets my whole life, around art, design. And I have to tell you, when I, we've moved to Manhattan, I was like, man, there's so many amazing people in the city. And I, I, I got to do something cooler than be a stockbroker. I started promoting parties in the city, uh, a place called the Frying Pan. I was the first person ever to throw a party there. The Oranzans Foundation on Norfolk Street and big parties. Oranzans had a capacity of about 350 people. And um, for New Year's, I think we had about 2,500 people <laughs> in there. And I worked with a lot of bands and music. And, and then I really, um, by looking for these cool spaces, I really discovered the city. We knew we wanted to buy a building in the, in the city. We wanted to own a piece of the city. And again, this was before, obviously, you know, social media, where we would pass out flyers and word of mouth to get people to these parties. And through that money and through his stockbroker days, we were able to buy this condemned building. And we knew, again, we didn't realize, hey, we're going to have seven kids and we're going to do a million homes later. But we knew we wanted a large family and we knew that we needed to create our own rules for Manhattan and the life we wanted. And so this kind of condemned building, so many people passed up. But for us, it was an opportunity to build the life we wanted. What on earth gave you the balls to think that you could take a condemned building and turn it around yourselves without any experience? Well, you know, we've always walked the fine line of balls and stupidity. It's funny, like we started looking at places and buildings and we love this one building and it was or a place that was a, in a co-op and, our, and the guy said, well, it's a co-op, but board has to preview. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, you know, they have to prove you to buy it. I was like, well, that doesn't sound like for us. That's when we gravitated to townhouses and buildings. We got lucky. We 
clearly thought it was a good bargain, but you know, we weren't geniuses. We were, I think you make your own luck in a lot of ways. And I think we had calculated risk. Like we knew what the mortgage was. We knew we could rent part of the house out. And so we kind of try to limit our risk, but we, we clearly had no foreseeable, like the real estate is going to go up 20 times in 10 years. And to Robert's point, we rented all the bedrooms out to our close friends and they helped us come up with, you know, money to finish by putting up drapes and the things, you know, we kind of really were on such a shoestring budget and, and still always are and mindful of that. We realized we really do know what we're doing. That was really a great thing and that we were a good team. Were you big risk takers growing up? I was. <laughs> I came from South Georgia, honey, and I didn't plan uh -oh. to go back. You know, I married Courtney, so that was, uh, I guess you called me a risk taker. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we've always... Um, I always believed in ourselves. Uh, when, Ted yeah. Kennedy said at Bobby Kennedy's uh, funeral, you know, some people ask why, he asked why not. And I think we're that. We always ask why not. Why can't we do that? You know, we're and we're one of those people that... Don't touch that stove. It's going to be hot. Don't touch it. But we, we still have to touch it. Did that kind of damn the torpedoes approach get you into trouble when you guys were young or does that get you into trouble now even? Well, I hope we never lose that. I mean, uh, we try to instill that in our, you know, large family. In some ways, like I had said back then, we knew exactly what we were doing and we were also clueless. But I feel like we're just getting started. And I think it's important to always keep that in any, you know, new endeavor, any career change or when you keep evolving. I think it's super important, at least for us and taking the risks that we do in life. We always say you know, it's about staying young. It's not trying to be young, look young, it's but being young at heart. You know, you, and you look at great musicians or great filmmakers, most of those guys seem to make most of their best work in the 20s. For us, we feel like we're just starting. We're just getting better. You know, thankfully, we're not like Springsteen and have to sing Born to Run every single time. We can change up the music, you know. So we like changing it up. We like staying fresh. Uh, and now we love quite honestly, having young people around us that are a lot smarter than we are, very forward thinking, and we listen a lot. So let's pick up back up on the Novogratz story back in the 1990s. You guys have bought and gutted and rebuilt your first home together. You have rented a few of the floors to none other than Suzanne Vega. You take the equity to buy an old manufacturing building with a parking lot, and you set about creating two new homes. Which one of you was brash enough to say, you know what, fuck it, let's just do this. We can make our living flipping houses. General Patton, uh, World War II, he had a nickname, Blood and Guts, and his guts and our blood. So I think Courtney is probably the courageous one, but I'm the one that ends up doing it a lot of it. So. <laughs> we got a little confident and a little cocky, you know, because we had some success. So we we're ready to... Uh, Although, uh, you know, when we took family members to that second condemned building and then the empty parking lot and then many more, you know, it took us about seven houses before they finally say, oh yeah, yeah, you should buy this. They kept saying, no, you guys are crazy. And we, of course, didn't have the money to do it all at once. And so we knew we could at least take care of ourselves and have a roof over our head. And then we had to rezone the parking lot and then do that. And we just always had that goal and what was ahead, but we took as much as we could handle and got through it. So along the way, you have had seven kids and the projects are just getting bigger and bigger and more expensive. And I have to say, people fling around the term risk taker pretty freely, but you can't be a risk taker unless failure is a real possibility. And in fact, somewhere in the middle of your ascent as home flippers, the real estate market crashed. So how did you guys get through that with seven mouths to feed? You know, we were always risk takers, but as we got a little success behind us, I think we never overextended ourselves with debt. 
So I think we always, again, took calculated risks. I think when you're younger, you tend to take more risk because you're, you're stupider and you're, you're gutsier and you um, probably don't have any money. So if you, if you lose it, it doesn't matter as much. But when you start having some success and you have a bunch of kids, you have to think a little more wiser. Again, I didn't predict the collapse, but I always, at the end of my day, I was like, if I'm a little richer, that's great. But if I lose all the money, that's going to kind of suck. That's the way we kind of thought. And so we kind of dodged that bullet. We definitely scrapped through those years, like a lot of people, but we never you know, extended ourselves personally that, that much. We were in the middle of building one of our houses during 9-11. So at that point, we had to refocus. What is it all for? You know, we had several people trying to show up to get to work. Then fast forward when the market crashed, you know, we always knew we can land on our two feet together. And one thing, you know, again, that we constantly instilled in our kids is this is a beautiful roof over your head, but if we need to go, we go. And our seven child was born in a two-bedroom apartment in between renovations because a wealthier friend said, I can rent your townhouse out. And I said, I'll move out today. And I knew that that would keep us afloat. And so it's always a business, but it's a family business. And Robert and I always knew at the end of the day, we will do what it takes to make it. If you're a risk taker or if you're creating, you know, the life you want to live, sometimes you have to go sideways to go upwards. And so we always knew what we were doing, but we also seize any moment to get to the next level, to live our dream, to do what we have to do. And so there was a lot of sideways along the way and still will be. Has that ever backfired on you guys? Moving into the two bedroom, our oldest son Wolfgang was 12 at the time. And he said, have y'all lost your mind? And we go, we know exactly what we're doing. We just keep living in the present and always trying to make the best choices for our family, even though to someone on the outside, it may seem very chaotic and confusing to them. We know what we're doing. Do you think that's part of your appeal? that you're willing to let the chaos of life show in that way and just be real about it? First of all, we live in this world that we all see the same things now, right? Instagram, et cetera. So the, the hardest challenge has always been as a, as a great designer is creating a vibe, creating a mood. Um, you know, you can walk in a great restaurant, but it's, it's flat or there's the, it's buzzing, you know, and hotels are no different but, and homes are no different. And, you know, we can go to these impeccably designed homes, but they're cold. They're not fun. There's music is not playing. So our homes, you, you might not love them. You might you might love them. There's a warm feeling. There's a happy feeling. The art is colorful. It's an organized house, but it's it's not a, a, a stiff house. And the, everybody, you know, for us to be able to do the work we love, we have to always have our kids involved. We never shut them out or shut them off. And the same with our work. And so, yeah, our and it's also good to see what your kids are on. You know, their laptops. You're engaged with them, and so many time someone comes by our house and one of the kids are like, oh, let me show you this. And they're pulling something up. And so, you know, we usually have open living areas. We try to make the kids share bedrooms because we all kind of want to be together and we all want to be part of, you know, one big moment, which is usually always around the dining room table. It's where you gossip, where you nurture, where you pull up laptops, where you do homework, where maybe by the end of the night you spill red wine and you dance on it. Would it be fair to call you guys the anti-Martha Stewart of home improvement? Yes. <laughs> but you know, also we're, we're kind of, um, people ask us, well, how do the kids feel about it? I don't really care. That's what I say. You know, I'm like, I, I grew up as one of seven. Also, my father was a colonel in the army. We had one and a half bathrooms. So when I'm moving a kid out of a townhouse in Soho to a 
big house in LA and he has to share a room and he's not happy, then I've failed as a parent, you know? So uh, of course we want to give our kids opportunities in life to succeed. We like to expose our kids to as much as possible and let them figure it out. It's not really by committee, you know, Oh, are you happy with this? Or is the pool big enough for you? Or, you know, that's not really the way we roll. And they're only together for a certain period of time, you know, especially in our house, you know, we're not going to have 30 year olds living with us, but, um, you know, through high school and then college and then, you know, ideally, you know, they're, they're away. And so that's the one time they they can be together and share a room. They'll have that for the rest of their lives. It's not easy to summarize your style, except to say that it's eclectic. If someone, you know, walked into the lobby of the Boston East luxury apartment building, what would tell them this must have been designed by Courtney and Robert Novogratz? Well, the one thing we're really big on now is creating a boutique lifestyle for people. We've done a bunch of boutique hotels. We're spokesmen for Airbnb, but it's really a place like Boston East. You want to feel like you're almost at a boutique hotel within your apartment. Uh-huh. Yeah. The amenities, you walk in, there's uh, games, there's there's fun color, there's art. The uh, communal spaces. Uh, right. Creating a real communal space where people actually want to be together. Our looks has evolved. I mean, the funny story was when we first started building and uh, New York, we, we went to Paris a few times and we'd buy old windows and doors and, and build those into the townhouses. And I, then for like 10 years, people like, yeah, I want that French look. I'm like, no, we're sick and tired of that French look. You know, you're not going to get that French look. So I think we've evolved. I think it's gotten more contemporary. It's got a little cleaner, less stuff. All the work we've done in boutique hotels, I think a lot of the, the homes in Boston East, and we did still a project in Beverly Hills called 10,000, all have that kind of feel. So I think that's the new Novogratz look, I guess. And for example, um, that is in a rental apartment building. And so a lot of times we think, and which is being proven fact that people are renting for the first time and they're creating their homes for the first time. And so Robert, and I wanted to give them that kind of vibe that he talks about, which is in the communal areas, we brought in art collection. They may not have an art collection of their own yet and haven't started one, but at least when they come to the common areas in that building, they can feel like they're living with one and feel inspired. Our ultimate goal is, you know, we're never going to be the best designers or the worst designers, but when we leave a client, they have a happy, fun place to live in. Do you guys think it takes a certain kind of hubris to walk into a flea market or an antique store and look at an old sign or a silver horse head or a weird orange chair and be like, wow, damn, that would look awesome in our guest room. (laughs) Well, first of all, I think it's important if this piece speaks to you, then get it. And I think that's great. I mean, Robert and I, for 25 years, we can even split up at a flea market anywhere in the world and come back and chances are we've spotted the same thing. So we have similar taste. But I think, you know, what's most important is that your house should reflect who you are. I like things to be quirky. I like to see who people are, if they have collections of things or if they don't, or are they putting their family photos up and, uh, you know, using them. I think it's really important because things all start looking the same. That's why kind of one of a kind stores and flea markets are more important than ever. When a client hires you, do they give you guys full reign to carry out your vision? I think with the boutique hotels, why they seem to always come out great, they give us the, the, the green light to do what we want. And their business decisions are not so personal, like someone, you know, planned their bedroom out for their whole life. So then when you get to that point, it's much harder. So that the public space is always 
to me are the best. The few great projects we've had, we've had the green light with interiors. We do work with a lot of like A-list celebrities who are, tend to be very, very difficult to work with. Not only do they have opinion, the 29 people on their team have an opinion. And that's where they, they take Courtney because um, uh, I'm a little too honest. And, and Courtney really navigates those egos really, really well. And you have to realize, guys, I mean, even for us, when you talk about your home and money, it brings out so much anxiety. Yes, our best work is when we don't have to answer to anyone and we just can do our thing. But at the end of the day, that's not reality. And so we just try to make the process and the journey fun because we understand sometimes we're holding a couple together. Marvel's like, just get paid, you know, let's just get paid. And <laughs> if their marriage falls apart, you know, but we try to remind partners, you picked each other, you could pick a paint color. You know, it should be fun. And and so many people lose sight of that and we get it and we understand that. And so that's our biggest goal is but you had to create great work. People but, always lose sight. Like when I was throwing those parties, you know, in the early 90s in the city, I had a lot of fun bands come up from the South. My decision process was picking the band. So they always come up and, oh, you know, what do you want us to play? And I'd be like, play what you play. I'm not going to tell you how to play your songs. My process was I knew what they played. I heard them before. I knew they were perfect for this party or this crowd. So I always wonder why people hire designers. They know their work and then they micromanage them. Now, certainly you have to listen and, you know, be part of it somewhat, but if they really let designer and architect for that matter, really do it, their stuff, that's when things happen great, but it's rare. I tell the story, you know, we've done hundreds of projects and 10 are amazing, 10 are horrible, and you know, the rest are pretty good. Obviously, every project you go into, you're going to try to make it the best you can. But again, going back to a filmmaker, Coppola or Scorsese, whoever, they've got some bombs in there, you know, and they got some of the best movies ever made and they got some okay movies. So it's, it's similar to what we do. What is the lanes that you both travel? And then where do you cross over? What do you do when you don't agree? We definitely argue. And it's interesting because like our family life and our career are totally blended as one. We never turn one off or the other off, nor do we want to because we love both. And so our kids have seen us, you know, kind of argue about something or, you know, feel overwhelmed. The great thing is Robert really can take over if needed and step up and play in every field if needed. But he, I would say my lane, a lot of times I'll do kind of architectural plans, but like then he'll push and say, let's put like literally art on the exterior of the house where we put Richard Woods on the house and commissioned him. And he does all the art usually, wouldn't you say, as far as, you know, he kind of pushed us 25 years ago to start collecting art. And I thought, hey, we can't afford this. And he's like, we can. We're there's a will, there's a way. And then like to his point, when there's a nasty client um, that doesn't want his brutal honesty, I come in with a Southern charm and kind of, you know, calm everything. (laughs) And now at this point, we try to just conquer and divide and figure things out, you know, but it, it depends on the client too. We did a townhouse in New York in Manhattan. She's the mother of three. And I think she came to us because we know townhouses in Manhattan. And not only were we designing her house, but I got the impression we were also kind of designing her life and helping her, you know, kind of find a, a nice rhythm in motherhood. And so I would step in a little bit more with that. 
Is it hard for you both to say no? We love being busy and we love doing cool things. So if it's cool, we won't yeah, say no. Yeah, so sometimes we've been in it going, wait, this isn't really a moneymaker. Why did we do this? We said yes to many cool moneymakers and stupidly no to the moneymakers yeah. that weren't interesting. We, I uh, regret not, not doing the Saudi Arabia thing. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, we get invited, which, you know, you have to be invited by the kingdom to go to Saudi Arabia. But something was going on with the kids at that time. And we, we, we had just, to go away. Yeah, first we turned it down, yeah. but maybe it'll resurface one day. Do you ever find that you question, I don't know if we should be doing this or you felt like burnout? Well, first of all, I was telling my 19 year old daughter, she's finished her first year in college. I was like, I don't care what profession you're in. You're going to do a lot of things that you don't want to do and you don't like to do, but you have to do. I don't care who it is. And you, at the end of the day, you answer to someone. It could be the client. It could be to so-and-so. And, you know, there's just no perfect world out there, perfect job. So we love our job. We get paid to do what we love to do. But clearly, we do a lot of things. Burnout with seven kids. Sadly, we can't burn out. We got about 20 more years. So when we take a project, we always finish it. Yeah. And especially even like our brand, there's been some really daunting days that it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel where we're just buckled down and focusing. But that doesn't last for very long. And that's why it's kind of not everyone is going to be blessed or fortunate or would choose to work with their partner. But that's where we can hold each other up. So we usually don't collapse on the same day. <laughs> if one of us is feeling overwhelmed or burned out, the other one's the one that's saying, oh, actually, we it's going to turn around or next week's going to get better. or We definitely need some good luck and it's coming tomorrow. We get one life and I think just put as much on your plate. You know, I for me personally, becoming a parent made me even more ambitious. I wanted to do more, you know, and I wanted to do it now. And Robert was so great because he also, you know, happened to be from one, seven children. He was like, we're going to go see the world now. You know, we're not going to wait till they're out of diapers because we're going to keep having babies, you know. And so if you jump in a little fearless, you know, just good things come. So having a career and raising a family and all those kind of things coexist. And I think that's the best way to live. Can you talk to us about your team and your leadership of your team? We so believe in building and nurturing your village, whether it's through work, through family, all of the above. And we love when someone comes, for example, our right-hand girl, we hired her sister because we know and believe in her so much and she was needing help. And she's like, I've got the perfect person for you. And so we just feel like as much as we need them, we recognize that we kind of need to keep those relationships strong and let them also live their dreams. And so I think a lot of people don't realize what you put into your village is what you get in return. It takes a lot of people from our contractors to our you know employees to everyone. We treat them as family because they are our family. Well, They're our rock. We're only as good as our team. We have really like five full-time employees. And then we, we work with a lot of people per job. We do two or three things. Again, we don't micromanage. So when we hire a designer, our, we research their work. We never hire someone based on uh, where they went to college. It's really what they did in the field. I don't care if they have the most beautiful schematic drawing. Harvard, it doesn't matter to me. Who did you, what did you do? Who did you intern from? We have some really good designers that help us now. We go out of our way to, to help, help designers. If they want to leave, we give them pictures from portfolios. We, because we, at the end of the day, there's nothing better for us to see people that work for us succeed. 
I would say that to me makes me the happiest. And now as we're growing uh, and we're hoping to become a bigger brand, we're giving uh, the longer term employees a small piece of the company. So they feel like they have ownership. You know, at the end of the day, I think that kind of speaks for itself. And then it's like, if you want this to succeed, you're going to make it work as much as we do. When you're working on your own home or a home for somebody else, how do you know when you're done? When they give us that final check, you yeah, get the hell yeah. out of there. You're never done. about the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and our own homes were never done. We totally like change things up all the time. We sell art, buy art, sell art, move furniture around. And then usually we end up selling to someone way wealthier than us and they take it to a whole nother level once we're gone. But the thing is for us, we don't want to drag jobs out, you know, especially for clients because we want to move on to the next one. I think we move pretty fast when someone hires us, right? There's always an ending. We always try to have like a little party with the, the client. It never ends, as Courtney says, but you have to say, hey, that's it. You make a punch list. And when you're working for someone, once that's done, you have to, uh, you know, there's some designers that stay with, uh, as you said earlier, they're like almost shrinks to the people. That's not really us. Yeah. We kind of, once it's done, we're, we're out. So we do have a fill in the blank segment. I'd love to read some statements and I'd love for you guys to finish the sentences. You can ping pong them back and forth. So however you guys want to go about this, that is fine by us. My motto is. Have fun. The world would be better if. If Trump was not president. No. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm not very good at. Math. The biggest misconception about me is. That I'm cocky. You're not cocky? No. No, I, no, I don't think so. Confident. Perfect. That's a great description of him. It bothers me when? Uh, the kids pick the lock. Not These are the best answers ever. Two more. I never thought. I have seven children. And then finally, someday I am going to. India. There you have it. You guys are the best. If you're inspired by this episode and ready to turn your vices into virtues, get your hands on a copy of our explosive new book, Rare Breed, a guide to success for the defiant, dangerous, and different. It's available at thisisrarebreed.com and wherever you buy books. You can also listen to all of our Rare Breed interviews with celebrities, misfits, oddballs, and entrepreneurs at thisisrarebreed.com slash interviews. Be sure to share this podcast, tell your friends, and join us on social at This Is Rare Breed. Remember those simple rules of office etiquette, and you'll get along in the business world.